You're listening to Fusion Patrol, a listener-supported podcast. Each week, we take a single episode of a science fiction TV series, movie, or audio and overanalyze it to within an inch of its life. Welcome to the discussion. Hello and welcome to another episode of Fusion Patrol. I'm Eugene. And I am John. And tonight we are looking at, oh, episodes 26 and 27 of Ultra Q, uh, Blazing Glory and the Disappearance of Flight 206. We're going to start with Blazing Glory. Episode synopsis. Featherweight boxer Dynamite Joe is, well, dynamite. Not only does he have an unbroken string of victories in the ring, he is able to unerringly predict exactly what round he's going to defeat his next opponent. He can do this because of his good luck mascot, Peter, a small alligator-like creature he keeps in a tank of water. This creature, when removed from the tank, grows to an almost man size. Dynamite Joe's unbroken streak is so impressive, his manager manages to arrain a championship bout against the current champion. With but a week to go before the fight, Dynamite Joe disappears without a trace. Days later, June and the gang are having dinner and a show at the Marine Phantom Show Club, watching the dancers and the hilarious clown. Despite the makeup, June, a big fan, recognizes that the clown is none other than Dynamite Joe. He tries to convince Yuriko that she's got a major scoop. A bit like this episode, that doesn't make much sense to Yuriko. Why would a famous boxer be hiding as a clown? Joe isn't just hiding as a clown. He's hiding in a bottle, too. He and Peter are dropping out. The manager of the club knows who he is, but is content to let him continue his clownish duties. He is, after all, good at it. While out greeting guests, his manager takes Peter out of the water and is quickly terrified by the full-size Peter who chases him. Joe returns to his room to discover Peter gone. When Yuriko comes to talk to him, he accuses her of taking Peter. Peter is really just outside scaring away all the guests. Later, Peter has been restored and Joe explains that he caught Peter fishing off the coast of the Philippines. No matter how many times they threw him back into the water, he got caught again. Deciding it was fate, he became Joe's mascot. Then he started telling Joe the predicted outcomes of his fights. He was never wrong, and when he predicted that Dynamite Joe would lose the championship fight, Joe ran. Meanwhile, the club manager has decided Peter will be the new star attraction for his club, but he loses him, perhaps in the pool, which is so cold he may have shrunk to an even smaller size and cannot be found. This depresses Joe even further. Jun tries to talk him into returning to the ring. He's a hero to a lot of kids who think they should be looking up to someone who brutally beats other human beings as their role model. It's no good. Joe is a beaten man without stepping into the ring. Then a lightning storm starts a fire. The fire heats up Peter, who grows to enormous proportions. Joe helps guide the monster to the ocean, but he accidentally sets the harbor on fire. Seemingly nothing could survive that. But Joe does survive, and the next day, Jun, Ipe, and Yuriko drop him off in the middle of the street, and he leaves for an unknown future. Okay. <laughs> Blazing glory. Do I have to have an opinion of this? Well, I guess I do. Uh, yeah. yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Wow. You know, I've heard of fighters and, and other people in sports being really uh, superstitious, but this really takes the cake. And I didn't <laughs> want to use that phrase, but I'm gonna. Oh, yeah. Wow. Is it, is it superstition if the, if the uh, creature really does predict the, the outcomes of the match? Um, yeah, I'm still going to call it superstitious. Because we don't know if if Peter is actually saying things to him or if he's just taken one too many clouts to the noggin and thinks that Peter is saying that. And he's just been, you know, terribly lucky or he just, you know, he knows in the third round, well, I got to pound this guy into oblivion. Bang. There you go. He's down. You know, there there is two two facets of that that I wanted sure. to talk about. One was. The bit where he claims he's talking to him, and is it, I think it's June that says he's not hes not really talking to him. What he's doing is he's using Peter to put himself in a self-hypnotic trance. Yeah, he's psyching and, himself up. <laughs> which, it's like, all right, I, that's, a, that's an interesting conclusion to leap to. That's really no more grounded in science than <laughs> he talks to me. I mean, well, you know. we do we do know one thing that is abnormal about Peter, and that is if you take him out of the water, he grows rapidly into something that doesn't really look like his small form. But no, no, yeah, that did surprise me. I, I, I wasn't sure expecting why. it. Yeah, that you was know. like, oh well, you don't see that every day. Do you know you know what I thought was going to happen? What? He you know he did the bit where he talked to Peter, and Peter told him how many he was going to rounds and he's like oh i'm gonna do it the third round and then after and he we have a series of successful <laughs> successful bouts right he's like oh third round fourth round fifth round and then he's sitting there at the table and he takes him out and he says i'm just gonna let, all right i'll let you out for a little while now and i thought oh no he's gonna lose him i thought this story was gonna be somehow he was gonna lose the creature and the creature was going to i don't know mutate into something i didn't think he already knew <laughs> Yeah. It's like, oh, yeah, all right, there's this giant lizard. Oh, good boy, Peter. The heck is going on here? I don't see any refrigeration on that tank either. So Water is very cold in Japan. Everybody I, knows. And it stays that way, even if it's sitting out in a big bucket. Thermodynamics do not apply um, oh. with, with a Japanese plastic bucket. Uh, that well, water that's will the case, not then, eat equilibrium that, that with the That might explain all sorts of other things that go on there. It might. How do you think they kept that pool so cold that Peter shrank to so small they couldn't see him? Uh, <laughs> yeah, well, hey, you know. If that's what happened to him, I'm not sure. It gets that. cold in Japan. I know that. Well, well, chilly. Yes, yes, yes. It, it, I'm sure it can be very cold and miserable up those latitudes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, and the other question I have is, all right, let's say you do have somebody telling you going to win in the third and you win in the third you're going to win in the fourth and you win in the fourth you're going to win in the second and you win in the second mm-hmm. and then they come along and they say you're going to lose the championship fight do you run away from that or do you go in and take your beating because even fighting in the championship fight is still yeah you keep uh, going an honor yeah you know you know you know the 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 thing that's told you you've you've won so many times in the past you, you think you just want to say you know what I think you're wrong. And then you go try proving him wrong. And sure, you might get pummeled. You know, it might be still correct, but you did it. And also, 
you went to the championships. Yeah. And it's not bad for the guy who loses. I mean, sure, he doesn't get that weird-ass belt but or whatever, yeah. but still. It's exactly, you made it to the freaking champions. Yeah, you know? it's Even like getting silver loser, in the Olympics. You're still number two. Yeah, you got silver in the Olympics. <laughs> and, you know, you might get another shot at it. Yeah. Oh, Just yeah, you're exactly. Lose, you're not done. I right, mean, right. You know, Just because and... a popular athlete loses once doesn't mean they mm-hmm. lose at all. But I, you kind of right. get the feeling that, you know, this guy is only a sensation because he never loses. You know? Yeah. And yeah. Uh, he didn't make a prediction as to when he was going to win. So maybe people could figure that out. That it's like, why didn't he tell us what round he was going to win in? Ah, because he's not going to win. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, I don't know. It, it was it was a little... um. Uh, a, a little weird. So, um, mm-hmm. but there's, there's not a whole lot to this episode, to be honest. I'm just going to say there were way too many children in the audience at that boxing match. I don't know why that was that way either. I mean, it's like, okay, um, kids like I, I, seeing boxing? That's kind of, that's weird. That's, there is another episode of, um, well, I think it's Common Rider. So not much less than 10 years, say, after this. Mm-hmm. Very much so. Kids are like, oh, I've got my favorite boxer. It's like, I don't... <laughs> I don't remember a time growing up when... Well... Boxing... I mean, you know, Muhammad Ali yeah, was Muhammad boxing. Ali. Like, I mean, there were but, cartoons about him, for heaven's sake. But it, it wasn't... It just didn't seem like this. This is like, we're going to hang around the stage door and get picture, or, you know, get his autograph. And, oh, cool, John. And just yeah, maybe he'll punch there. me. Ooh. <laughs> mom's mom's giving us money to go to the boxing match today. And they all went unescorted and, you know, in mass to, to the. I just... you know. It's good, wholesome fun. <laughs> yeah. Blood sport. Blood sport. Yeah. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm. It was a different time back then. That's all I can say about that. That's weird. But it, it is it is quite odd. Also, the episode mm-hmm. had a lot of very I want to go. Let's go with adventurous. But if not adventurous, <laughs> weird transitions. Oh, yeah. I made note of that. Fancy cuts Especially and transitions. The, the, what about that cutout one where they where Joe is running along and he, he gets frozen and then cut black and then he gets removed and then like the reporters appear behind him and are looking for him it's like oh, oh yeah like, that was that was pretty cool <laughs> it's someone like, was having fun there they just read yeah, part of the manual that uh uh covered that topic it's like oh hey <laughs> let's try this you know because it they, worked pretty well yeah you know the machine was fairly new i'm sure somebody wanted to try their hand at some rotoscoping to make a mat and uh yeah it worked yeah. out pretty well i liked it it was very um Oh, you know what? I wonder if they did that to kind of introduce a manga style to it. Maybe. Maybe. So I mean, they, they all did seem to be. Thing. The other ones did seem to be sort of paper based, like yeah. tearing pages and stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, it, yeah, it could be. It could be a paper illusion. Yeah. And the cutout I, I, guy with it. Yeah. It's either boxing or basketball, but there's a very long running manga. Jump. Yeah, I think it's in something like that. That's basketball. Yeah. That's basketball. Oh yeah, well it makes sense. Shouldn't Jump. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, there but you go. Yeah, sports manga. I mangas. suspect this. sports manga. <laughs> well, it beats comic books about sports are better than watching sports. 
I would say yes. That that is that is true. That is that is the nerd. Uh, that is the nerd creed. <laughs> so you you think Joe just wears that clown face all the time? He's not in the ring and on the run. Yeah, apparently. Yeah, <laughs> that's just weird. I'm Trump, always in so I'm disguise. Become a clown. I don't. <laughs> Nobody will notice me if I'm wearing this. Uh, uh no, don't even think about it. Just just go ahead and do it. Whatever. Yeah, it was. He's a boxer after all. Okay, there you go. Mm-hmm. <laughs> he didn't get into this. He didn't get into this because of your PhD. Let's put it exactly, that way. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, I did find it humorous that uh, <clears throat> Peter shrinks in cold water. Yes, yes, that that is an unfortunate translation. <laughs> uh, yeah, um, we won't go there. <laughs> uh, that, got a, that got a good chuckle out of me a couple times. Yep. And nobody is at all concerned that such a creature exists. I know. Yeah, okay, well, maybe I called up because... Dr. Ichinatani, and he said, yeah, yeah, they got this thing, and it grows in the trench. Like, okay. Yeah, you only find them in like super deep uh, ocean trenches. You shouldn't be bothered by them. It's like okay, well, there's one sitting in front of me. Oh, down with hmm. Rangon, yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, and yes, we got to carry that experiment further by watching it play with fire. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. <laughs> be in the tree with the lightning striking it, and uh, uh, it was lightning, right? Lightning was doing started the fire. Yes, started the fire, which. Peter was hiding in. In the forest. Uh, in the anyway, tree. Yeah. yeah and then, it, well, you know, he got bigger. He got bigger. <laughs> much bigger. Yes. Not Godzilla bigger, but but quite a bit bigger. Well, big I enough. Guess he was, I guess he was probably 20, 25 feet. Yeah. Oh, at least big enough to be able to kick 55-gallon oil drums and cause them to explode. As they do when you Yeah, apparently. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. That uh, That's what they... He triggered the detonator inside the drum. <laughs> Damn, those were for another episode of a different series. <laughs> I was impressed. Charges. Oh, there you go. I was impressed by the fire effects. That set must have been very large. It did look pretty convincingly like it was burning, didn't it? It was yeah, it like was nice. You know, bordering and maybe like quarter scale. That was big. Or they actually torched a harbor. Could be that. I'd like to think they did that. Somebody says, you know what? We're going to be tearing this down. You want to burn it? Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we do. All right, let's yeah, do we it. We want to burn it. Let's do it. Yeah. Let's talk about that scene. Sure. So the, 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 the fire starts and Peter is screaming, sounding like he's in terror. And mm-hmm. Joe runs up to him and he's like, you know, we've got to get him back to the sea. Like, And Peter has, to this point, shown that he is very friendly. Mm-hmm. And... I saw no indication that he was not being friendly to Joe at that point. And Joe is like, come on, Peter, come on, come on. And he's leading him to the ocean. And as he gets closer to the harbor, Yuriko and June and Ipe are like, watch out, watch out, look out. And I thought, are they warning him that he's about to step back into the harbor? That's what I was thinking. It's like, is he going to die? I mean, I know how the Japanese can be about going into the ocean, right? Well, they you know, they set there. up there. Yeah, well, you know, they set up their, like, indoor water parks next to the beach so you don't have to go in the sea kind of thing. Um, well. Oh, they, 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 they do that. I um, know. I know. I've, so do the I've, I've seen Chinese. those. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, it's warmer. 
<laughs> but I couldn't think of anything else. And less why, kaiju. Why he was, they were warning him away from that. Unless they either thought that Peter was going to hurt him, which ultimately he, he might have done when he kicked those drums. But it was just a, it was an odd scene. Another thing yeah. that was odd, uh, he does the flashback. Right, he's out in the Philippines with his girl and some other people on the boat, and they're catching Peter and throwing him back, catching Peter and throwing him back, catching Peter and throwing him back. Finally, they pull him up, put him on the boat, and then Peter grows large and terrorizes the girl. And I guess eventually they must shrink him back down to size because they decide to keep him as a mascot. He even says the girl tells him to keep him as a mascot. Is it weird that the girl played no part in this story whatsoever? Mm. It's like. Is that his girlfriend? And I think it was just somebody that uh, they met up, up there with for in the, the Philippines. day. Okay. Yeah, mm-hmm. maybe, maybe the um, maybe she wanted to hang out with the boxer on the boat, and so she knew somebody who chartered it. I don't know. Well, certainly before he was a famous boxer, but uh, yeah, yeah, huh? Could be, could be. Just thought it was kind of odd that they introduced this character and then just didn't do anything oh, with I it. Oh, I mean, they didn't even have a name. But yeah, they did. No, no, oh, he she called did? her by name. Yes. Oh. I didn't ca- I didn't write it down, but she said so-and-so told me, you know, said, it must be fate. You should keep the keep it as a mascot. And he, and he even said I took and he named her when he said we went out on the boat. I'm like, OK, this is a character we've not seen. There's no indication that he has a girlfriend. Oh, Peter's going to kill her <laughs> on the boat. That's what I was thinking is that, you know, she'd go overboard when he turned into a monster or something. Nope. Just, nope, just, no, that's it. And that scene, get rid of her. All right. Um, <laughs> like, hmm? that, I thought that was very, very strange. I also have to ask the question, the Marine Phantom Show. Yes. Is that really what adults did for entertainment in the 1960s? Y- yeah, yes. Oh. Yes. I would refer you to Bond of movies in uh, the one where he's in... Uh, uh, Thailand, I believe. There's definitely some weird stage show going on, and there's been some other ones. And, and yes, the uh, Akasaka Prince Hotel was definitely a real thing, and they did have shows like that. <laughs> yeah, that was just. I mean, I, I it kind of vaguely reminded me of the 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 '60s tiki bar mis- motif without the tiki's. Yes, but you know. I always thought that was I, I don't know I, I'm not I'm not a fan of the tiki mo thing uh, and nostalgia uh, I, or otherwise but you know the drinks I, I are quite okay. enjoy the drinks yes yeah uh, and you know the little the mugs are quite nice but the dancing and stuff is like okay that's interesting I don't know if this is and that was not... ac- accurate or if it's even supposed to be but yeah but in the in the Marine Phantom show that dancing they spent way too much time on and was not good. Right, there were a lot of things oh. they spent way too much time on in this episode because they did not have enough story <laughs> to fill. Is, it's ultra Q. You have to expect that. This was seemed worse than than usual, but yeah, all right. That's because there there was boxing in it. That's all. Yuriko's nose for news is really failing her in this one. Oh yeah, why didn't she want to jump on that one? It's like, oh, he's not really the guy. It's like, uh, ah. Mm. You're annoying, Yuriko. You're, you're annoying. <laughs> Should that ever stop a reporter? Yeah, it shouldn't. And what happened to Joe at the end? Uh, he just disappeared and eventually was found living under a bridge in uh, Yokohama. 
I don't know. He I could not tell off. what they were going with. I mean, well, he straightened up his poster for the prize fight, and you're like, you think he that... decided to that he actually uh, resolved all this stuff before the fight happened? I don't know. I don't know. I have no idea. He's like, like they're just dropping him off, and he's going to disappear again, or I, I really don't know. It, it was such a. He's either going to go uh, go meet up with his trainer, ending. or he's going to go to a bar. One of the two. Yeah. Oh, very nice sinking bottle effect. Oh yeah, they must I have like burned the, quite a bit of film on that one. They probably did get a, <laughs> to a lot of bottles to finally get one where they can get it to sink that that nicely and you know mm-hmm. perfectly. It was, it was it was it was lovely. Um, but that's uh, yeah. I don't know that I have anything else on this episode. And um, nope, I don't have anything else. I'm thinking we have managed to discuss this for almost 20 minutes according to my recording clock, and that amazes me. I know. We so, should get a, a bonus for this. Get a medal for this one. Let's, <laughs> then let's take a look and see if it's any better with episode 27, The Disappearance of Flight 206. I think we're going to be able to nerd out on this one, if nothing else. Maybe. Episode synopsis. June and Ipe are returning to Tokyo from Hong Kong via supersonic jetliner, Flight 206, when the plane is caught in a bizarre swirling vortex it disappears off the radar to the heartbreak of yuriko who is waiting at the airport for them and yet in the control tower the sounds of a phantom jet can be heard the passengers and crew of the plane awake to find themselves floating in a cloud-like world of white if that weren't enough a dangerous prisoner being transported on the flight has escaped and holds a gun on everyone Outside the plane, the criminal holds the pilot, co-pilot, June, and Ipe hostage, and they wander around, eventually discovering a graveyard of planes. It appears that the pilot of a Japanese Zero is moving, but when Ipe touches him, he crumbles to dust. Ipe falls and discovers handfuls of marbles on the surface of the cloud. That would make walking on clouds very dangerous, but the criminal doesn't see it that way. He thinks they're (laughs) diamonds and goes to collect them. June uses the opportunity to wrestle with the criminal. It's not the best possible job of disarming him, though. In a massive, empty, white void, two wildly fired shots in the struggle manage to hit the pilot and the co-pilot. Thanks, June. The villain overcome, he suddenly falls through the cloud, never to be seen again. I feel like there should be some form of transition sentence between that last paragraph and the next, but I can't think of one. It's not going to make any sense, but just roll with it. A giant walrus appears and chases them all back to the plane. On the plane, a very industrious American has repaired the radio. They are able to contact Tokyo Tower. That's Tokyo Air Traffic Control Tower at Narita, not the Tokyo Tower. And Hmm. Professor Ichinotani is able to not very helpfully explain to them that they are in a special dimension. With a walrus bearing down on the plane, the pilot and co-pilot wounded, and the plane being out of fuel, June and Ipe must fly the plane through the wall to reality. Yuriko, who's had a pretty emotional roller coaster of an episode, is elated. As the plane flies near Mount Fuji, everyone congratulates themselves that they've made it! Without the slightest trace of self-awareness that they still have no fuel, and they aren't safely on the ground yet. The end. Hmm. Well. Well, if you're not crashing, you're doing well. <laughs> Disappearance of Flight 206. 
You know, I had uh, had higher hopes when I saw that in I think the still on the uh, on my Plex had mm. I think an mm-hmm. airplane in it. It's like ooh, airplanes. Like that grave. It has that graveyard of airplanes. Yeah, this, yeah, the like, white eh. board. Yeah. It wasn't as interesting as I'd hoped, and plus the supersonic transport was definitely fictitious. I mean, it's well, like yeah. okay, it's, it's 1966, 65. You know, SST was definitely something that people wanted, but wasn't going to happen anytime soon. Well, all right, sixty-eight commercial, commercial. Yeah, sixty-eight is a couple of years off. But so I mean, people were obviously working on it. Oh yeah I, think that, yeah, I think that's where we're we can we can ro- let them roll with that a little bit and go. Yeah. All right, they were clearly they knew that this was a thing that was coming, and this is a science fiction show. So I mean, oh yeah, they, yeah. Um, I wasn't but, all that happy that they cheaped out on the uh, instrument panel with the hand drawn lettering for instruments. Well, they had some hand drawn <laughs> yeah. lettering on some other things like the fasten seatbelt sign and oh yeah, in English. yeah, yeah. Somebody had hand painted that on the. <laughs> <laughs> it was a little it's like, bit. what, the print shop was closed that day? Oh, come on, guys. We don't have any print shops that can do English. Uh, <laughs> 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 Japanese only. Um, yeah, I mean, this reminded me a bit of the Odyssey of Flight 33, Twilight Zone 1961 episode. The one where the, the 707 is coming from London to New York and suddenly picks up tremendous speed and travels backwards in time. Oh, yeah, okay, I think I remember that one. Yeah, and then they, they find dinosaurs on Manhattan, and so they try again, and they... It's like, it's some sort of supersonic slipstream effect that, that causes this, and it, it it had that feel for me. And also the bit where they were at the graveyard, it kind of made me think of all those... And, and we could use Close Encounters of the Third Kind, too, where the, the planes have gone missing, and... Mm-hmm. You know, the, the, the Sargasso Sea or the Burma, yeah, Bermuda exactly. Triangle and, or whatever. And that was kind of set up when Ichitami was, mentioned the, the flights mm-hmm. missing and stuff in World War II. Yeah. Definitely. So, but it, it didn't really pay off in any way, shape, or form. It was an interesting idea. And... Yeah, I think they only had like one or two airplane wrecks that they could haul into the studio. That they could... Yeah, they mentioned. But they did... They mentioned like four different planes. But I think we really mm-hmm. only saw two... Yeah. And, of course, it can only get close to the zero, which I uh, was a little annoyed by the fake out where the the zero pilot definitely moves his head in the in the cockpit. And then Ipe goes up and touches him on the head, as you do. Oh, when yeah. You, get well, you, somebody's attention, you walk up and pop him on the top of yeah. the head and he Bonk. falls to dust. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that was. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> then we have. So you've you've got that. Uh, you've got the classic stereotype of the policeman transporting a dangerous criminal via plane (laughs) who escapes, um, who has, here's the way I see it. The criminal steals the gun from the cop. It's a six shooter. When you do that, do you take, do you rifle through his pants pockets or whatever to find more bullets? Because they definitely shot 10 shots out of that six shooter. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, I was counting that uh, a little I, bit. I think there's a, a a magical reload when the gun goes from one shooter to the other. So when June picked it up, it was, you know, full. June shot six shots. There you go. There were So there were two shots in the cockpit, and there uh-huh. were two shots to the pilot and the co-pilot. Right, and then June and... just tried to waste the uh, big sky walrus. 
I found out his name is Todora. 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 Okay, the, the Sky Walrus. Yes. <laughs> Sky Walrus. Sky Walrus. <laughs> the fourth dimensional monster. Special dimensional monster. Yes. It's, uh, yeah. It, it, it was, um, <laughs> that, that was the part that I think I really, I don't want to say I hated it. This but, could have been kaiju-less and still yes, been a good episode. Yes, it could have. Yes, could have they been. were so close. close. Mm-hmm. Oh. oh, they were so man. close to having something at least interesting in the uh, in the yeah, concept I mean, the, department. The, right, and, the 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 vortex itself would have been the monster. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But instead, sky. But Walrus. then you have nothing for June to shoot at. Yeah. At yeah, least well, we got to it, see Action June beat up the bad guy. Yeah, how about that? Pow! Co-pilot! Uh, struggle, struggle, oh, God, struggle. yeah. Pow! Winged him in the head, winged him in the arm. Good deal there. <laughs> oh, what it's are like, the odds? <laughs> do you know what I was thinking? I was When they did that, and they hit the, the, the co-pilot first, and I'm like, oh, Ipe's got a job! Oh, yeah. Bang! Yeah, shut exactly. the pilot! Oh, June's got a job, too. They're going to have to fly... The supersonic jetliner that they probably don't have a clue how to fly. Oh, they didn't because it, June didn't know how to turn the engines on. But yet, Luckily when Ipe they first went into the cockpit, June told Ipe to turn the engine off, and they you know, spun those dials, which are tragically out of arm's length for the co-pilot, if he ever had to do it. <laughs> you are not allowed to turn the engines off if you're in your seat. Apparently. <laughs> Yes. Like, if you can't if you can't get up to get that dial, don't turn the engines off. There's no reason you want to do that. It's, <laughs> uh, yeah, it, it was. All right. On the bullets. Yes. The bad guy goes up to the cockpit. In the cockpit, June and Ipe are there trying to wake the pilot and the co-pilot. He opens a door and he fires two shots right at the pilot and co-pilot. I know. I thought it was going to be dead right there. Boom. And it doesn't even phase them. Did he? Sh- did he shoot out the radio? Apparently, they, he did. They never but, showed us a cutaway shot of him of that being destroyed, and they should have. Yeah, they should have. Uh, when the uh, stewardess was asking for anybody who had knowledge of radios, uh, when they showed the radio, you got oh, yeah. the impression that it was just around the corner to the right, right where behind the co-piloting. Yeah, so it's like, okay, I guess I can buy that. And it looked like it had been beaten up by a club. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that wasn't a bullet wound or a bullet effect. That uh, was that a American, stick. That American guy was really good at repairing that radio. <laughs> yeah. Can anybody on this plane do that? I'll give it a shot. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> or, or, you know, maybe on the supersonic transports, they uh, they they have their radios still kind of in the uh, uh, a breadboard open wire uh, <laughs> arrangement, and all he had to do was just put the parts back in roughly the same places, and it was fine. If if that only must be what it is. If only he had been on Gilligan's Island. Oh, they would have been off in twenty minutes. I was I was <laughs> duly impressed by that radio repair. You know, it's like, can you fix the radio? I didn't know the radio was out. Right. right I mean, exactly. When she said, "Can you fix the radio?" We didn't know the radio was broken. So <laughs> I thought, the... "Well, maybe it was." Dead. Then you go in and you see the radio, and it's like in a million pieces. <laughs> it's like, oh shit! Like... That's really busted. Mm. And he's yeah. like, he should just look at her and like, 
Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs> what radio? You just have a pile of scrap here. What do you? Would you like me to refreeze some ice while we're at it here? I think we're. I think we're done here. Uh, yeah. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> oh man. Uh, yes. Um. Uh, oh, I had some pithy remark about that, but I don't remember what it was. Oh well. Well, I think this is why we don't have uh, commercial supersonic jets these days. Could be. It so could be. Will, will eat us all. It, it, I, I suppose. I, I love the fact that in the uh, tower, they'll just hand the mic to anybody. Oh, sure. You know, we don't know where this guy is. You give it a try. Yeah, here, talk to him, hysterical <laughs> woman. Oh, Jude, I'm so happy to see you. Like, all right. Uh, here, Professor Ichnatani's here. Oh, let me talk to him. All right, here. It's like, come on. That's the control tower radio. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, you can hear them trying to contact other aircraft, too. Yeah. So it's, it's not like they're not busy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so that was a that was a little... Um, a little. Now, let me ask this question. Sure. Um, I know that since 1951, international airports and, and international flights mm-hmm. must be able to speak English. Yes. Yes. But do they? In other words, if if a Japanese pilot's coming into a Japanese airport, even if he's coming in from overseas, does does the traffic in the air traffic yes. controller still supposed to be in English? Yes. Uh, when you're making your contacts and stuff at international, yes. If it's a small airport with just domestic, um, don't be too surprised if you hear the local language being spoken. But if somebody addresses the tower in English, they'll get a reply in English. It might not be very understandable in English, and the guy listening to you in the tower may not understand you very well when you're speaking English, but it'll be in English. Yeah, I mean, there there is an English standard proficiency that you have to go through. Yes. But you know how that goes. You yeah, can, yeah. It, you can sometimes pass a proficiency test and not be fluent, but, you know, yeah. to get the job. I thought that was interesting because at times they were speaking a bit of English, but they really were talking with the planes in Japanese. And I'm like, I, I think that's that's a uh, Hong it, Kong to that's a Hong Kong to Tokyo flight. That is an international flight. All that should be in English. But um, if you're trying to convey information that's just for that pilot, I could see them speaking in the local language if both are, if, you know, if they're native speakers. Especially when you're talking to him about a giant sky walrus and you just don't know. You, you yeah, didn't you, actually you know how to say sky walrus in English. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. <laughs> I, 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 I don't know what the word is. What? <laughs> oh. It's a, I thought we were somewhere in the north over the Arctic because there's this giant walrus here. <laughs> yeah. it's like, no, you're right over Tokyo. What? It's like, oh, check that box. It's marked hypoxia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh my! <laughs> Let's see. Um, couple things. Yuriko absolutely freaking useless in this episode. Uh, and, yeah. And man, what a what an emotional roller coaster she was on. Happy they were coming home. Crushed that they're dead. Could happy dead. that happy that Ichinatani says, "Don't think the worst." Yeah, right. I won't. Oh no, no. There's Phantom. Oh no, they're in another dimension. Ah, oh, cry now. They're dead. No radar. Yeah. <laughs> Happy, happy, no, smile, no. She, and then at the end, what happens? She's so happy that June's coming back alive. And I thought, damn, Ipe, friend zone, dude. Oh, in a big <laughs> way. Poor guy. 
<laughs> and there's only Didn't, one episode left. Did you did you even bother to ask if Ipe had made it out alive? No, you did not. All you cared about Who? was Jude. <laughs> Who? What? Oh, that annoying guy that dresses like you. Yes. Oh, God, yeah. Okay. This <laughs> <Just> like <laughs> um marbles. That was weird. I don't. I I I am at a loss on that one. All I can think was that the that people were. S- seeing what they wanted to see i i don't know uh, or or the 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 guy with the gun the bad guy was just he thought there should be diamonds there so that's what he saw but they were really marbles and his brain hadn't quite figured it out yet i don't know and if if the floor is covered in marbles wouldn't they all be doing the whole slipping slip all over thing? the place yeah so, whoa, that's what i'd fun. be thinking too yeah maybe Which is they're, why walking on clouds is dangerous because maybe they're it's covered not in rolling they're special Tadora brand non-rolling marbles. Ah, yes, that could very well be it. <laughs> Just nod your head and say yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. Just like the sentence, and then the giant walrus appears and chases them back <laughs> to the plane. <laughs> yes, exactly. That was just... I you know, and the effect is kind of interesting because it's like a there's like a pillar of cloud forming. Mm-hmm. Near them, and and as the cloud gets bigger and bigger, then it kind of gets I don't know viney or something, and then yeah, forming itself, and it's like ooh ooh, well it's a, that looks like a very big walrus. Yeah, it's like <laughs> that's not pillar like anymore, and those don't look like vines. It's that's walrus. That's a walrus. That's a walrus. Oh, oh didn't okay. expect that. Hmm. Nope. Not not uh, did not have things are on my ultra Q bingo to this week. <laughs> things are definitely out of balance. <laughs> yes, they are. <laughs> a disconnect between mind and body. Yes, exactly. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's a big disconnect here. Woohoo! So, um, I guess here is here is the part uh, that I was far more interested in. <laughs> mm-hmm. The episode was I was looking up supersonic flight. Yes. For which, you know, uh, I I don't remotely claim to be an expert on supersonic flight. But, you know, one of the advantages is it's faster uh, and you get past the the sound, the drag, the wave drag of sound. And so, you know, it's in some ways more efficient. In other ways, it's ridiculously inefficient. Yeah. But Concord and and the, the Russian largely Concord. forgotten Tupolev Tu-144 uh, were both in development uh, mm-hmm. around the time. This is uh, the the Tupolev, which looks uncannily like the Concord. I, um, I will bring up a a term called form follows function. Yes, <laughs> except, except and also plans are easy to smuggle. That's, I think, more likely what we're going to go here. The Tupolev yeah. was introduced about two months before the Concorde. And that smacks of Soviet-era one-upsmanship. Oh, heck right? yeah. Um, it really does look like it, but or it really does look like a Concorde, complete with mm-hmm. the, the bendy nose thing. Yes. Yeah. Which I'm not sure I understand its purpose, but... Uh, uh, that was just there to allow the pilots to have some chance of seeing the runway. Uh, because ah. the nose was so long, the pilots could literally not see where they were landing. 
Oh, and see, they'll be able was, to solve that by flying by wire now. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's yeah. called an ILS approach, and you don't. Technically, you still have to be able to see the runway. If you can't, you have to do a go around and, and try again. It's usually mm. for weather, but yeah, in this case, you need to be able to see the runway. So uh, back then, they didn't have that, so you needed to be able to drop the nose so you could see that. Yeah. So uh, just for the sake of throwing out numbers, and I did not do the calculations for air temperature, right? The 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 lower the air temperature, you actually the speed of sound is a bit slower, I believe. Yeah, something like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's something like that. And and at zero degrees, uh, it's eleven eleven hundred ninety two kilometers per hour. Uh, at 3,500 feet, which is where commercial flights, roughly speaking, it's like negative 50, it, so my numbers are not it, not It's right. also, it's more of a function of air pressure than temperature. Yeah. It could be 100 degrees out, but low air pressure, and the speed of sound is going to be different. So uh, anything supersonic technically just has to be faster than that? Yes. But, you know, once you've managed to burst past the, uh, the drag of the thing, then you actually can get, should be able to get quite a bit above that. Um, yeah, you get to a point where your engines are no longer efficient enough to produce thrust mm -hmm. because there's not enough pressure or your velocity is too high to begin with. It's but. it's possible to break the speed of sound at high altitudes uh, just simply by falling. I think that's been done by... You break it before parachutes. you hit terminal, veloc terminal velocity? Right, because there's not enough air pressure to impede you, so you just keep going you know, faster and faster. And then when right. you start hitting thicker air, you slow down. Almost almost like re-entry burn-up, yeah. yeah. Um, anyway, so, you know, theoretically, Hong Kong to Tokyo is 2,800 kilometers. Yeah. So if, even at the speed of sound, that's a two-hour and 24-minute flight. Typical jetliner is about 900 kilometers per hour, so that's only a three-hour, 12-minute flight to mm -hmm. begin with. But the yeah, Concorde... It's, it's not the... Uh, the it's not the best way of of having a route, but you know, the Concorde was actually almost Mach two. Mm -hmm. um, it was like twenty one twenty one seventy nine kilometers per hour. Concorde was an amazing aircraft. Uh, there were very few military craft that could keep up with it. In fact, if it was still flying, it would still be the case because it, its cruise speed was Mach two. Yeah, just about. <laughs> just about. You know. I think there's still aircraft, most aircraft have to be an afterburners built to achieve that for any time. And you're going to burn your fuel up so quick, you're not going to be able to keep up with it. Well, Concorde was pretty fuel inefficient. That is uh, part of its uh, part of its Yeah, but its, its natural but... speed was that. Yeah. It was, you know, yeah. Mach 1 plus. It was it, fast. It, Concorde could have done that in an hour and 20 minutes, yeah. the flight. And seated 128 passengers. Now, um... In a tiny because, little fuselage. Yes. So it, I don't know where you keep up with it, but there are two commercial airliners trying to get mm -hmm. supersonic airlines in. Boom Supersonic, which strikes me as the dumbest name for an airline ever. <laughs> I, I I get why Boom, because Sonic Boom, but really seriously Boom Explosion. Considering yeah. the history of Concorde and Tupolev, which was <laughs> even worse, uh... Boom! Supersonic sounds like a bad name. That puppy Mach two point two. 
that's still a good clip. That's a good clip. Uh, that's faster than Concord. Mm-hmm. Uh, will only be a 55-seater, and they're hoping for their first test flight in 2023, which is also the same as Arion Supersonic, um, which is making like a corporate jet 12-seater, but only does Mach 1.4, also 2023. Yeah, I think I saw um, a video on YouTube that was talking about the, the current developments in supersonic transports, mm-hmm. and they mentioned both of those. And I don't know, maybe they can make it work. Um, big reason why Concorde failed is because um, I think the, the prices were were just, they weren't. Yeah, they, they had some. It, it didn't work right. There were some, yes, there were some strange issues with it. There is a video on that. Uh, I think it might be by Wendover Productions on the the cost efficiency of the Concorde. I could probably find it and send it to you. Uh, it, at the end, they were actually selling the tickets quite at a quite a discount and they were finally filling the planes. Yeah. Right. You know, it was yeah. one of those things where the, the, the price they paid, they didn't fill the planes enough and they actually turned a profit. They turned a better profit at the lower price on the flight, yes. but it was kind of too little too late and they had so yeah, many problems that's with what the it sound was. and, and, yeah. uh, Oh, and, oh, and, that was the other big problem. The sonic booms over the cities. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Nobody would allow them. So it really only had that one route. New York to London. Have you and, ever, uh, when you were Paris, growing maybe. up, when you're growing up in uh, Southern Arizona, did you hear fighter jets time. breaking all the town? Yeah. All the time. I, I did too in, in Fargo. And, um, you know, that's something I kind of miss, but I yet I don't because <laughs> it literally rattled the windows. It was yeah. just this big boom, boom, boom. It's like, it yeah. was impressive. Yeah. You were, we were used to it. It really wasn't a, it wasn't a thing, but you knew you knew when they were flying over from Davis Month, and yeah. Mm-hmm. But according to what I've read, both of these places seem to think they have cracked the price, the flying price <laughs> equation, and neither of them look like they have tilt uh, noses. Um, in their they're designs. not as long, if I remember right. Yeah, but and uh, they... also uh, today. Um, I'm going to guess that the runways required for both of these aircraft are pretty long. And if you have a nice long, you know, say a two-mile, 10,000-foot runway, you're going to have ILS equipment on there. So you can land your aircraft without having to see the runway all the way around, all the way down. Right. I mean, you're going to lose it when the plane flares. Um, and that's when the airplane basically stalls out at the last moment to land its wheels on the ground so it doesn't sit there on a big gold cushion of air all the way down at the end of the runway the the instruments will take care of all that for you um but yeah it it should be pretty neat uh i don't know how they're going to deal with the sonic booms though i know there's some development in eliminating them but i don't think that's 100 percent possible right i mean i don't think you can get rid of the boom completely but yeah they had some sort of special tech to try to minimize i think it had something to do with no, no, that's the actual, the boom is actual continuous. That's why you always hear it. Yep, but it's a big cone that comes off the big cone of boom, sharp yeah. parts of the airplane. Anyway, what I'm what I, looking forward, what this episode makes me look forward to, not Sky Walruses, but it makes me look oh. forward to the day when I can get on a plane that travels at Mach 2.2 <laughs> and fly to Taipei in five or six hours. Oh, oh that, that, yeah. <laughs> That will be worth every flippin' penny, 
man, yeah. ten hour flight to to Tokyo. Oof, geez, that's a long. You might not think that it's long. It's like, oh, I'll sleep. You're not gonna sleep for eight hours or ten. Nope. You're going to wake up and you're going to go, it should be over now. Oh, no, I've got exactly. I'm going to get up and stretch my legs. Look out the window. It's like, hmm, ocean. Still ocean. Look at the map. It's like, ooh, yeah, we've got nothing but ocean around here for a long time. Oh, I wish I was sleepy. Yep. (laughs) I'll maybe watch a movie for 12 bucks. Benadryl. Yeah, Benadryl Benadryl. works. Yeah. It helps. (laughs) And, you know, you could sleep through the sky walrus. True. Yeah. I think that would be best. I was actually kind of scared to uh, take any sort of sleep aids when I was going to Tokyo because I didn't want to, you know, still be really groggy as I was trying to make my way through customs and try to figure out how to get to the the. Um, what, oh, I, I think they call it a limo, about... a limo taxi, and uh, and actually make it to Yokohama. <laughs> I thought you were just worried that when you got off at customs and you looked all stoned that they'd arrest you and throw you a... Yeah, they'd send you to the special room where no people come out of. Yeah. Yeah, yeah there's that one. <laughs> now, that was when I was going to Thailand, yeah. There... Very nice effect with the vortex, though. The cloud vortex, I Yeah, thought. it wasn't bad, except for there was that blob that, that oh, you th- kind that of was circled you the too, drain. Huh? Yeah, it's like, mm, that shouldn't be there. What is that? Yeah, I couldn't what is figure that it out. The, that one was good. <laughs> then later there was one where the plane was in the vortex and it was clearly in the water. Oh yeah, that was good. That it's shot like, oh, was okay. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Well, fluid <laughs> dynamics applies to both water and exactly and, uh, air. Water's so. just really thick air. <laughs> <clears throat> that is uh, that is true in so many ways. The important <laughs> ones, all the important ones, except you can breathe the air. Yeah, well, if you're a fish, you can breathe the water. But Those darn fish. Mm-hmm. Um, We have one more episode. Yes, we do. One more episode. Uh, I can't remember the name off the top of my head. but uh, Open up. Open up. Oh, and I won't even gosh. try to pronounce it in Japanese. Fair enough. a bunch of K-E's and T's and positions that I'm not familiar with. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we will uh that and we will wrap up the series and uh that will be next time john thanks for joining me oh you're welcome it's always fun listeners i hope you'll join us all again next time on fusion patrol thanks for listening if you've enjoyed this episode of fusion patrol we hope you'll consider supporting us at patreon.com slash fusion patrol or buymeacoffee.com slash Fusion Patrol. For our monthly Patreon subscribers, we're currently doing a special series on Season 2 of Babylon 5. There's over a decade of previous episodes available at FusionPatrol.com. Come join the conversation on our website or Twitter. You can also find some of our other works at SoundCloud.com slash Fusion Patrol. Our music is Fight the Future by Amberwolf. This has been a Lone Locust production.